Happy day, Rosso Garcia with Why Jesus. Hoping you're having a terrific day that you are feeling the love of God in your life uh, for you and your loved ones. And if not, just know that God truly loves you and cares about you and is there for you. We just have to learn to find him and be closer to him through prayer and other things but you are his child and he does love you just as a quick reminder to all of you out there it's been a long time since I've been with you I think May was the last time I did something and I've been pondering lots of things happening and so I kind of feel like I'm to a point where I need to leave that with you. So in any event, hoping that everyone feels the sunshine around you, the wind blowing in your hair, and those beautiful sunsets and reminders of nature and birds and pets that can often be the way to feel God's love for us. So, uh, for those of you that don't follow, um, I basically follow a book called Come Follow Me, put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I go over a lesson for that week, and uh, just give my perspective on it. I'm not a professional podcaster nor scriptorian. So, you know, just trying to share something that has helped me in my journey and giving me more peace and purpose. So hopefully everybody takes it well and nobody gets offended. Um, I do try my best to not be interrupted, but that does not always happen with pets around and um, things happening in the neighborhood. So I apologize in advance. Um, but today, I am going to go off the lesson that I was talking about um, on Come Follow Me, which you can find a um, physical copy of the book at desertbooks.com or um, online version. You can find it at uh, the Church of Jesus Christ dot org or lds.org and look under libraries and you'll see the come follow me and then you can um, basically look for the week that you are wanting to listen to or study and uh, today we are covering the October 2nd through the 8th which talks about uh, the six chapters in Ephesians in the New Testament. So this year, Come Follow Me is studying from the New Testament in the Bible. So, um, and it's titled, For the Perfecting of the Saints. Uh, it's jam-packed, and it's kind of a um, combination of many things happening 
lately around me that I've been pondering. And so hopefully I put it together in a way that makes sense to you. Alrighty then. And so um, life happens every single day. We are imperfect and we struggle through life, uh, sometimes feeling a little bit happier than other times, sometimes feeling like we understand a greater purpose and sometimes feeling lost. Wherever you're at, just know you're not alone. And I, I have been there for a long time now, um, trying to find purpose and um, learn from my trials and get the best out of my situations. Um, always wanting to learn the lesson the fastest I can so that I can overcome that particular trial sooner than later. And um, I'm still struggling somewhat with my health um, and not being where I wanted to be um, and finding myself impatient. All because we're human, right? And we all can relate, um, especially in this a time when we are so used to, um, you know, the fast internet, fast deliveries, fast food, everything fast, we kind of lose a sense of what it means to be patient and wait on the Lord's timing, uh, wait on, you know, getting healthier day by day. It just seems too long sometimes. But just know that there's a road to learning all the way there. And you'll find God all the way through that path and road in your life. So having said that, um, the lesson talks about um, what the people, the Ephesians, um, were going through as new converts to Christianity and some of the fears from the people around them, and kind of like what we are going through today, right? Um, Christians are being singled out for their faith, told that the Bible doesn't fit the new lifestyles of the world, and it discriminates and whatever not. Uh, nothing new that we have not read in history uh, and definitely in the scriptures. So... I feel very uh, that the stuff there and that I pondered lately very relevant to what we're going to read about today. So as always, I'm just going to read the summary because they do it better than I do. And the summary says, when the gospel began to spread in Ephesus, it caused no small stir among the Ephesians, local craftsmen, who produce um, shrines to a pagan goddess saw Christianity as a threat to their livelihood, and soon they were full of wrath, and the whole city was filled with confusion. Imagine being a new convert to the gospel in such a setting. Many Ephesians did accept and live the gospel amid this uproar, and Paul assured them that Christ is our peace. 
these words along with his invitation to let a, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away seem as timely as comforting now as they were then for the ephesians as for each of us the strength to face adversity comes in the lord and in power of his might so we're going to read a few scriptures there that kind of talk about this summary a little bit um so you see that it's um scripture based so it says here in acts 19 27 through 29 if i can go there it says so that not only this our craft is in danger to be set at naught but also that the temple of the great goddess diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed whom all Asia and the world worshipped. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. So that uh, tells us the confusion that was among them, just like we are today. Next, Acts 19.40. For we are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give an account of this concourse. And then... Um, Ephesians 2, 13 through 14. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. He is our peace. And then the... Second to the last scripture there. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That was Paul talking to the Ephesians and then Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Well, love these last scriptures. They definitely defined the world that we are currently are living. Wicked people in high places. Uh, we wrestle against principalities and dominions, meaning 
the devil is making sure that the people in the world, um, you know, create division, create chaos and confusion and wrath and bitterness, and that everybody feels like uh, we need to have reparations for whatever we've been wronged uh, currently and in the past. You, you know more than anyone where we're at. And these scriptures just describe that world in the same way. Um, parallel to what we're living currently. And so I love that Paul who was a convert to the church after being uh, one that persecuted Christians, uh, he became one of the strongest advocates of Christianity and uh, a defender of Jesus Christ to his death. Um, the second part of this lesson is called God chose or foreordained me to fulfill certain responsibilities on earth. And this little paragraph here, I've been pondering this a lot because with my current health, I'm not able to do things like I used to um, physically and mentally, um, yet I still have responsibilities with my home, with my children, with church, with my work that require me to be functioning, um, if not, you know, 100% in all cylinders, but as best as I can. And I'm falling very, very short on all of that. And so, uh, you know, you start wandering and pondering your mortality and thinking, well, is this the way I'm gonna go out? Um, is this, you know, uh, where I am going to leave uh, things in life? And so lots of interesting feelings and emotions that go along with thinking that. Um, but one thing that I have struggled, I guess, is because I haven't been able to fulfill those responsibilities and purposes that I had before, um, like I want to at 100%, I've been feeling like I've lost my purpose in life. And of course, we know that that's, um, you know, Satan trying to get in our head uh, type of thing. Um, so it's interesting to hear what Paul says about... Um, being foreordained um, with certain responsibilities here on earth. So I'm going to read this little paragraph for you and then maybe read um, a couple of scriptures to go with it. So it says here, Paul spoke of the saints being predestined by God and chosen before the foundation of the world to be his people. However, as President Henry B. Eyring has noted, this does not mean that God must have determined in advance which of his children he would save and made the gospel available to them, while those who never heard the gospel simply were not chosen. 
God's plan is much more loving and just than that. Our Heavenly Father is anxious to gather, all, to gather and bless all of His family. All of God's children can accept the gospel and its ordinances because of the work performed by the dead, excuse me, because of all the work performed for the dead in holy temples. Although no one is predestined to be saved or not saved, modern revelation teaches that some of God's children were chosen or foreordained in the pre-mortal world to fulfill certain responsibilities in accomplishment, accomplishing God's purposes on earth. As you read Ephesians 1 and the uh, topic of ordination, ponder on how this truth applies to you. So we're going to read some of the verses on Ephesians 1 and see what you guys think there. Ephesians 1, 4 through 11. And it says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foreordination of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having pre predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in, in the beloved, beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and that which is on the earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purposes of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know that is the hope of his calling and what the riches of this of the glory of his inherited in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us toward us who believe in according to working of his mighty power. So, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, it definitely talks about um, being chosen from the foundation of the world to fulfill certain responsibilities. But the part that uh, calls out to me the most is that um, he's going to gather all uh all of us um, 
calling us to come unto him to be of one purpose and that purpose is to come to him and be part of his household and how do we do that by following Jesus Christ and how do we accomplish that by serving those around us and helping them get to know Jesus Christ um, by serving them um, that is what I'm gathering from this um, and then I love that he says um, he hopes we are blessed um, that we may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation um, in the knowledge of Christ that our eyes and our understanding may be enlightened that we may know uh, what is the hope of his calling of Jesus Christ and and what the riches of his glory and inheritance for all of us so I think that is the purpose that he wants us to unite, be of one purpose. And, you know, when you have people from all over the world in different countries, different cultures, traditions, upbringing, you name it, um, it's kind of hard to think how can we become all of one purpose. But... In the premortal world, we all united. We all that have lived here on the earth, that have had a body of flesh and bone, even if they, you know, only lived um, for a few minutes, um, it doesn't matter. We all voted um, and defended Jesus Christ, and we kind of have lost that purpose once we came here on earth because we went through the veil of uh, forgetfulness at birth um, and so we don't recall we have some you know moments of deja vu's it's like where have I I've seen this before I've heard this I felt this before yeah, those are glimpses of our pre-mortal life. Um, but the fact is that our heart and our mind is enlightened with truth uh, when we feel of God's love through truth, uh, through the world we live in. We are still able to connect with him that way. And so then that's when it comes to our recollection that we want to get close to him type of thing. Um and so I know we were all of one purpose before coming and we've lost it here on earth. And he, he sent Christ to be the example of how we should be so that we all become of one purpose again. And that is to um, accept Christ as our savior and to go back to our father in heaven again. And so it's a tough thing to accomplish but only God can do such a thing and so um, I love that this talks about 
our purpose and I've been reminded of that purpose going through my struggles and so to be quite honest with you I've thought okay what if I leave this earth tomorrow um have I done everything that I can to make it less of a burden for my kids when I leave um have I done everything to prepare myself for the next life and so obviously you know came up short on both ends on that and so then the quest began for me to kind of set my life in order uh, as much as I could um, but more than anything to set my life in order with God uh, where Nothing else matters or should matter but him and my relationship with him. Um, because I have been working towards building a better life in the next life than the life I'm currently living. So that has been a driving force in my life, preparing for that next life, but fell short again. Um, and so... I worked at reconciling myself with God again and doing everything that I could. Like, I, you know, I don't see as many people as I used to. I don't go in to places like I used to. I mean, there's a lot of things that have been fallen off by the wayside because of my current situation. And I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with doing that with God my Father because um, if my life needs to be in order uh, in any way, shape, or form, it should be in order with God primarily and most importantly and nothing else should matter because ultimately he's going to be the one that takes care of everything else. I can't do it. Um, so yeah, very humbling place to be. Uh, and but grateful that I was able to awake and be given that wisdom of knowledge and having my eyes open to the fact that only God and my Savior should matter. Um, because if I focus on them, then I am going to work on leaving things the best that I can for my children and grandchildren um so i'm happy to have realigned myself to the best possible way that i can um because of my current trials um and i come to be in peace like paul said find peace in christ um through this trial um, and so thankful for that. You know, we have trials to help us be better. Um, you know, of course, we can go haywire and go down the wrong path as well, but we always have a choice. So thankful that I was able to uh, feel the 
awakening of knowledge and understanding um, and my eyes were open to what really matters again so the next part of this lesson says God will gather together in one all things in Christ um, and so this little paragraph here says why do you think our day is called the dispensation of the fullness of times what might it mean to gather together one in one all things in Christ as you ponder these phrases read the following scriptures so I'm going to read these scriptures to you because they make more sense than I would um, and so Ephesians 4 13 says till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Second Nephi 30, 7 through 8. And it shall come to pass that the Jews which are scattered also shall begin to believe in Christ, and they shall begin to gather in upon the face of the land, and as many as shall believe in Christ shall also become a delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. Doctrine and Covenants 110. After this vision closed, the heavens were again opened unto us, and Moses appeared before us and committed unto us the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth and the leading of the ten tribes from the land of the north. After this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. After this vision had closed, another great and glorious vision burst upon us for Elijah the prophet, who was taken up to heaven without tasting death, stood before us and said, Behold, the time has fully come, which was spoken of by the mouth of Malachi, testifying that he, Elijah, should be sent before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse. Therefore, the keys of this dispensation are committed unto your hands, and by this ye may know that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is near, even at the doors. Lots of powerful stuff going on in that one. Uh, for unto you the twelve and the first presidency who are appointed with you to be your counselors and your leaders is the power of the priesthood given for the last days and for the last time in the which is the dispensation of the fullness of times 
which power you hold in connection with all those who have received a dispensation at any time from the beginning of the creation. For verily I say unto you, the keys of the dispensation which, ha which ye have received have come down from the fathers and last of all being sent down from heaven unto you. And the last part in that, I might have rendered a plainer translation of this, but it is sufficiently plain to suit the purposes as it stands. It is sufficient to know in this case that the earth will be smitten with a curse unless there is a welding link of some kind or other between the fathers and the children upon some subject or other and behold what is the subject it is the baptism for the dead for we without them cannot be made perfect and neither can they without us be made perfect neither can they nor we be made perfect without those who have died in the ushering who have died in the gospel also for it is necessary in the ushering and of the dispensation of the fullness of times which dispensation is now beginning to usher in that a whole and a complete and perfect union and welding together of dispensations and keys and powers and glories should take place and be revealed from the days of Adam even to the present time. And not only this, but those things which never have been revealed from the foundation of the world, but have been kept hid from the wise and prudent shall be revealed unto the babes and suckling and sucklings in this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. Now, what do we hear in the gospel which we have received? A voice of gladness, a voice of mercy from heaven, and a voice of truth out of the earth. Glad tidings for the dead, a voice of gladness for the living and the dead. Glad tidings of great joy, how beautiful upon the mountains and the feet of those that bring glad tidings of good things, and that say unto Zion, Behold, thy God reigneth. As the dews of the Carmel, so shall the knowledge of God descend upon them. And again, what do we hear? A glad tiding from Camorra, Moroni, an angel from heaven, declaring the fulfillment of the prophets the book to be revealed a voice of the lord in the wilderness of fayette county declaring the three witnesses to bear record of the book the voice of michael on the banks of the river susquehanna detecting the devil when he appeared as an angel of light the voice of peter james and john in the wilderness between harmony susquehanna county and Colville Broom County on the Susquehanna River declaring themselves as possessing the keys of the kingdom of the dispensation of the fullness of times 
And again, the voice of God in the chamber of the Father Whitmer in Fayette, Seneca County, and on the sundry times and in diverse places through all the travels and tribulations of this Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the voice of Michael, the Archangel, the voice of Gabriel and Raphael, and of diverse angels from Michael or Adam, down to the present time, all declaring their dispensation, the rights, their keys, their honors, their majesty and glory, and the power of their priesthood given line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, giving us consolation by holding forth that which is to come, confirming our hope. That was a lot of reading. But you heard they are scriptural references talking about the fullness of times, the dispensation of the fullness of times. This has been the time that was prophesied when um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was going to be restored again to the earth because it was lost or uh, the priesthood was taken from the earth when all the apostles were killed. Um, and so the priesthood needed to be back on the earth. And all of those prophets that held keys of dispensations, of priesthood, of powers, um, needed to come back and restore those keys to uh, the chosen one in these last days. And so... You heard those keys were restored, um, all of them, uh, from Adam to the present time. They were given to uh, Joseph Smith um, for him to be the prophet of the restoration. And so what does this all mean? It means that the earth needed to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ and what needs to happen before he comes is that all the people of the earth need to be given the gospel of Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to accept him or deny him, whichever choice they want. But also those people that have died without knowing before us need to have the same uh, choice. And so uniting the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children, meaning that we have the responsibility to bring the gospel to them, even in the spirit world where they're at, and to have them choose whether they want to accept it or not. And that is the work that is done in the temples uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they can accept it or deny it in the same way that you and I can. The only difference is that we're alive and they're no longer alive, but they still can make that choice known in the spirit world. So we're being united uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ before he comes. We'll all have that opportunity. We choose not to accept them. That's okay. But we all will be able to say that we were given that choice of accepting him. And so, why? Because he wants to gather all the people of the world to know that God the Father wants us all back to live with him. But we have a choice. We 
can accept that or not. And so that's a great accomplishment, but the final scriptures that we read there is the glad tidings of great joy. God loves us all. Not a one will be left out. We're all his children. He loves us unconditionally. He wants to have the same kind of relationship with all of us. It doesn't matter that some were prophets, some apostles, and some, like me, who feel like we're a speck of dust in the world, right? It doesn't matter. I am part of his household, a child of God with divine nature and purpose. And my purpose in this world is to help as many of those around me to feel the love of God, um, to feel of his tender mercies, to feel how much he wants us back, just like us parents or those that have been privileged to have children, um, you know, want our kids to listen to us because we know maybe slightly better some of the pains and heartaches of life. But no, they have to walk their own path, right? Uh, and it's painful when we see him suffering. God feels the same way about us. Um, but ultimately, we want all our children to be with us, to be a part of our lives. And he wants that more than anything. So he's going to give us that opportunity for us to reconcile ourselves to him by accepting Jesus Christ, by having us accept him as our Savior, and we wipe out all our sinful nature, all our wickedness and iniquities that we've done clean by repenting and getting baptized and continuing to just live the best life we can spiritually, that is the way we make it back to him. And only through Jesus Christ can we accomplish such a feat. We can't do it by ourselves, no matter what we think. And so that is becoming one in purpose uh, to want to go back. And so the last part of this uh, says the church is founded on apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ is a chief cornerstone. Um, it says, according to Ephesians, um, why do we have prophets and apostles? Think about the messages from prophets and apostles you have heard during general conference. How do their teachings fulfill the purpose Paul described? For example, how have these teachings helped you not be carried about with every wind of doctrine? How is Jesus Christ like a cornerstone of the church? How is he like a cornerstone cornerstone for your life? So, yes, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church, the one that guides and directs it, the foundation of everything the only name in heaven recognized to have power to save. Um, so everything is done in his name. And so the prophets and apostles are, as all of you know, just the people he has chosen to carve the path of salvation for all of us, to keep us in line and guiding us um, through through the end of times. Um, we had this before 
when Jesus Christ left them established on the earth and then that went away, they're back again because he's called, he's brought all the keys that were lost through time. He restored those keys uh, of the priesthood back again and everything that was done back in the day um, with the apostles, the first apostles is being done again. Uh, for all the people that live currently. So uh, this is the last time that was going to be done before he comes. And so everything is being fulfilled exactly as the prophets have said. And so for me, I am thankful that I live in this last dispensation where I'm able to know who these prophets and apostles are get to hear their voice, get to hear truth and enlightenment and knowledge. And that has helped me comb through the whole confusion of the world, has helped me stay focused and understand my purpose still. Um, I can feel the hope and the peace that Jesus gives us uh, when I listen to them. And so, once again, they're here for the whole world, but... A lot of people think that, oh, they're only meant for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. No, they're here for the whole world, um, but they just don't know it or won't accept it or won't even come listen or hear, And which is okay. We all have a choice, but nonetheless, everybody will get a chance to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And as you know, and the, this very lesson talked about the Jews now being converted to Jesus Christ as well. So um, everybody's going to have that opportunity uh, to accept them or not. Um, and then, you know, God can say he was just and fair uh, because he allowed everybody to have the same opportunity. Um, he's not going to leave anybody behind no matter who you are you can be the most evil of evils uh, the wicked people in high places uh, will have the same chance but we know that they love money and uh, the things of the world more than anything so I'm not sure how they're going to change that heart but nonetheless they'll have the same opportunity but we have the opportunity to unite in purpose and so I love that here I'm gonna read the last scriptures here it says now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. I love that scripture. Then Ephesians 3. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for your you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you toward you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mysteries as I wrote before a few words. 
whereby when you read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be followers and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And the last part. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleigh of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things which in is the head of even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I love that last scripture because it says we are going to unite in faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure or stature of the fullness of Christ. So that is their purpose. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. That's it. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not the current prophet of apostles. It's Jesus Christ that is leading the church. It's leading this last dispensation. It's always been that way. And it will continue to be until he comes again. I'm grateful um, to have this knowledge, to be able to hear and accept, because my path has been completely different than I would have chosen by the doctrine or the indoctrination, I should say, of the world, you know? Uh, there, it just, they make it so increasingly difficult for us to not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine out there. But having this focus and purpose has allowed me to choose better. So I'm thankful for God to have placed this opportunity before me to accept him. The last part of this is following the Savior's example can strengthen my family relationships. It says, as you read Ephesians 5 and 6, think about how the counsel in these verses could strengthen your family relationships. It is important to note that Paul's words to Ephesians were written in the context of the social customs of his era. Prophets and apostles today teach that men are not superior to women and that spouses are, are spouses that are mean, um, that are meant, sorry, spouses that are meant to be equal partners, uh, 
Even so, you can still find relevant counsel in Ephesians. For example, how does Christ show his love for the saints? What does this imply about how spouses as equal partners should uh, treat each other? And what messages do you find for yourself in these verses? So I am going to read Ephesians 5, 22 and 24. It says, uh, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, says unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is a savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. The subject doesn't mean uh, he is better than us women. He just is a patriarch of the family. Um, but we make joint decisions. Uh, we are joint leaders. Um, we have different um, gifts and purposes in the household. Um, you know, these last days, some of those have been swapped, but nonetheless, God gave us um, specific purposes. Um, and so, but bottom line, we follow God. And hopefully we have a good husband or a righteous husband that is trying to lead us towards God. And if not, he's not doing his job. Um, and we need to help um, along the way. In any event, um, the next scripture, uh, let's see. Is Ephesians 6 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there's messages here for both. Mom, dad, children, how to treat each other. Bottom line, we treat each other with love and respect. Uh, just as God would treat us is the way he wants all of us to treat each other. So how does the gospel strengthen my family relationships? When I focus on being more like Christ and following his example, my family reaps the benefits of that because I am going to be more kind, more patient, more accepting, more willing to put away wrath and anger and bitterness. Um, you know, taking out the natural man and replacing it with a better spiritual man or person is what I'm going to do uh, if I allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to change my heart, which I'm grateful I have. And I have seen my family come together, even though we went through um, horrible uh, time or years of um, trials um, due to my divorce. Um, we've come back together again, understanding and having a greater relationship than before. So I know that the gospel truly does strengthen my family relationships in every way, shape, or form. 
and not just family, but my relationship with coworkers, with my neighbors, even with my pets. I'm, I, I was not a pet person by choice, by heart, um, but they're sweet and I can feel their sweet little spirit. Um, and they're here for making our lives richer and more full and hopefully we do the same for them um, and I pray that we do because they don't deserve less than that and so in any event the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the heart and mind where nothing else can even if yours is made of steel and stone because of all the pain and hardships you've had in life um, he can penetrate that if we let him, if we call out to him, if we ask him to show us his love, he will, he'll be there. So I, I love the fact um, that Christ is trying to prepare us. And the last part of this says, um, the armor of God will help protect me from evil. And it says, as you read Ephesians 6, Six through uh, 10 through 18, consider why Paul named each piece of armor the way he did. And what? how does the whole armor of God protect you from? Um, and what can it do to more fully, for me to more fully wear each piece? So I'm going to read that and hopefully um, I can wrap this up. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness and of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done also all to do to stand uh, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith whereon with ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all pres perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's a whole armor, the shield, the breastplate, the helmet, uh, and you know prayer and watching um i can tell you that when i put god first and read my scriptures and prepare myself mentally with his word before um I look at my phone in the morning before I have breakfast, before I go to work. My whole day has a different focus and um, everyone benefits, my children, my coworkers. Um, 
and I am able to withstand the day no matter what is thrown at me. But when I do the opposite and I leave him for last, um, my life is chaotic and I am exhausted um, and find my lose my purpose in life and all of that. So I guess the point is our purpose is to unite. Jesus Christ will be the uniting factor for the entire world and um, the gathering of Israel, the gathering of the 12 tribes is what is happening right now. Um, the prophet said that it would happen in the last days before he comes um, again and so we can help in that purpose in gathering everybody to understand the love of the Father, God, and the love of the Savior, Jesus Christ, um, both of them wanting us to come back and live with them again. Um, and like the scripture said, that Jesus Christ broke down the wall in between us, between God our Father and us sinful kids uh, so that we can he can pay the price for us to get back there so I guess the purpose is for all of us to help in the gathering of the 12 tribes which is the entire world our entire human family um needs to be given that opportunity to come back and so I'm grateful for that understanding um, and this has pattern of believing and not believing in Christ has happened through all the history of mankind um, and I have witnesses of stories in um, the scriptures that tell me what happens when the people unite. And I just wanted to share one last one with you. Um, in the Book of Mormon, I am reading um, 3rd Nephi chapter 4, uh, chapter 2 to 4. And um, in this section, the Nephites, uh, the people that were followers of Christ, were battling the Lamanites, which were uh, their two older siblings that decided not to follow Christ anymore and to leave those traditions they thought behind. Um, they would normally come to battle against their brothers, people, the Nephites, because they were upset that their father gave Nephite the right to uh, govern over their older siblings, and so they always felt like they were cheated out. So, in any event, here we have the Lamanites and the Nephites. The Lamanites, a group of them, decided to get repent and get baptized and accept Jesus Christ again. And... Uh, they decided to unite with the Nephites to battle against the Gadianton robbers. And the Gadianton robbers are 
in those days people that wanted to overthrow the government uh, so that they can put themselves in place to rule and um, they were just destroying the Nephites and so the Lamanites and the Nephites united to get rid of them and um, that union made them understand um, that they should unite not in the battle but that they should unite in the spiritual battle meaning they themselves had to leave their sinful nature behind repent uh, reconciled to God by praying by living the commandments and then uniting and putting their forces together to get rid of these um, robbers that were infesting the land with crime and nobody could do anything about it um, and so I love the um, symbolism of how they united in Christ um, to, you know, overcome that. And so after that, uh, the description um, given of what they were fighting for together, it says uh, on 3 Nephi chapter 2, verse um, 11 and 12, uh, says, and it came to pass in the 13th year that there began to be wars and contentions throughout all the land for the Gadianton robbers had become so numerous and did slay so many of the people and did lay waste so many cities and did spread so much death and carnage throughout the land that it began expedient that all the people, both the Nephites and the Lamanites, should take up arms against them. Therefore, all the Lamanites who had become converted unto the Lord did unite with their brethren, the Nephites, and were compelled for the safety of their lives and their women and their children to take up arms against those Gadianton robbers, yea, and also to maintain the rights and the privileges of their church and of their worship and their freedom and their liberty. Um, And it came to pass that those Lamanites who had united with the Nephites were numbered among the Nephites. And their curse was taken from them, and they um, were a delightsome, and, and their skin became delightsome like unto the Nephites. Their skin became white like unto the Nephites. Um, and their young men and their daughters became exceedingly fair, and they were numbered among the Nephites and were called the Nephites, and thus ended the 13th year of the reign of the judges. And so here we see that they united in Christ first, um, and then they united in effort to get rid of the Gadianton robbers and... Um, then later on, it tells us why they were being smitten by these robbers. And it says, And thus ended the fourteenth year. And in the fifteenth year, they did come forth against the people of Nephi 
and because of the wickedness of the people of Nephi and their many contentions and dissensions, the Gadianton robbers did again many take many advantages over them and thus ended in the 15th year and thus there were the people in a state of many afflictions and the sword of destruction did hang over them insomuch that they were about to be smitten down by it and this because of their own iniquity and so the Nephites and Lamanites united in Christ in the gospel were given victory over the robbers and then within just a couple of years there was more contentions and their sinful natures came back out again and therefore the Gadianton robbers then took advantage of that as well and God could not bless them to help them with their battles because they weren't living the way they should um, united in Christ anymore and so this union with the gospel of Christ or or you know wanting to follow Christ gives us temporal blessings of protection of um, prospering in the land of overcoming many things um, because God can bless us when we live righteously and he can't otherwise and sometimes you know good things happen to I mean bad things happen to good people just because we're being tested in this world to see how we deal with life and um, whether we still choose Jesus over whatever is happening and um, sometimes we don't overcome that but I wanted you to know of a quick little story that I learned just recently uh, through um, going to an activity with uh, young women in in uh, the congregation I attend we had um, had opportunity to watch the Cokeville um, movie where these two people uh, took 153 kids hostage in a school in Wyoming and um, the bomb went off and none of the kids were um, killed uh, only the two perpetrators were killed and there was a movie made about it and uh, it, it truly was a miracle that nobody was killed because of everything and um, there were miracles done um, you know um, that helped all those children uh, overcome that situation of evil and um, this woman came to talk um, she was a survivor of the Cokeville um, incident as a child and she came to talk about her experience and she said that she doesn't she struggled with sometimes going to talk to people about experiences like this because their story ended 
on a happy ending, uh, nobody got killed uh, other than the perpetrators, but in other situations like Columbine and other shootings and other situations similar, you know, kids do die and um, that kind of thing. So she was saying, how can I go and talk when others didn't have a happy ending like mine and still be able to give some comfort to these people and um, through some research and being led um, to find answers so that she can share and feel better. She said that uh, she came across a situation that happened here in Utah as well and that um, this person told her, uh, your story, your happy ending, that was a faith promoting experience, uh, meaning that it strengthened their experience, their faith in Christ and in the gospel and in God and in miracles, um, which is a great thing. But for the people that don't have a happy ending, that have suffered loss and uh, then pain of losing loved ones and of the injustices of the world, it says um, those experiences for those people are faith perfecting. They're being perfected in their faith if they choose to continue um, believing in Christ and Heavenly Father. And so faith promoting versus faith perfecting. And this whole lesson is talking about perfecting the saints, perfecting all of us. Our experiences in life, our trials, our struggles um, are hopefully giving us some faith-promoting experiences where we can strengthen our relationship with God and Jesus Christ and the other one. We're being perfected in that faith so that if we continue living righteously, then we will be able to, um, you know, get to our heavenly home. Uh, be first in line, hopefully, or, you know, close to it, uh, while others are a little further behind because they didn't quite have those faith-perfecting experiences. And I know that God, um, you know, in the final judgment will correct all the wrongs that uh, happened to all these people that, to no fault of their own, have suffered in great injustices of uh, evil perpetrated on them or um, just uh, acts of, you know, lack of humanity or, um, you know, acts of violence against them. Um, all the wrongs will be made right because God will be just. And... Um, and because Jesus will be the mediator, uh, whatever we came up short on, um, as long as there was effort, he will make up the difference for us to be able to make it um, to one of the three uh, kingdoms, celestial kingdoms or celestial glories um, that are meant for all of mankind. Um, but it will be determined on how we live this life and how we help gather Israel, how we helped unite 
people and purpose uh, to accept Jesus Christ and how we treat each other uh, in families and in our communities and around the world. So I just wanted you to know that God has a perfect plan of salvation. Everybody's taken um, part in it. Nobody's left behind. Nobody, absolutely nobody's left behind. Um, we will all have the same chances to accept the Savior. Um, and we will all um, stand to be judged based on how we treated each other here on the earth uh, and our furry friends um, and how we helped each other unite instead of, um, you know, going against each other and heeding the indoctrinations and the wild things happening in the world. If we just stay focused on the Savior and God our Father, we will make it through anything that Satan throws at us. And so that is my hope and prayer for you, all of you. It definitely, the gospel of Jesus Christ has helped me through my entire life and continues to help me. And I will cleave on to that more than anything else, even when it's the hardest thing to do. I know it's still the best thing to do. So may God bless you with strength. Um, bless you to feel his love um, is my prayer for you your loved ones and for all of us and so for now this is Rosa O. Garcia um, saying why Jesus um, until the next time